0: But I love when my two little ones, uh, my two older ones, uh, they might swing, but not as, not as much. But my two younger ones, they, they love to swing. Um, Eliana loves any chance she can get to, to come out on the swing and let mom and dad push her. Uh, and, I, and I love it. I love it because it's just, hey, dad, dad, higher, higher, give me higher. And, and the sound, the squeal and, and the screaming, and it, it's a joyful, joyful sound. Um, but what would it be like if a, if a stranger came up? and just started pushing Eliana. It'd be game over, right? Because I don't trust you. I don't don't trust you to keep me from falling out. I don't trust you with the height that you're gonna push me to. But with mom and dad, she trusts us. She trusts us to keep her from tumbling out. I want you to think about life. and I want you to think about the world we live in. A lot of times it's topsy-turvy. Every day in the news, every thing we read we can get caught up in it and and man we see that our world is just crazy and life can be like that things spinning all around us moments where we feel like man our stomach is is up in our throat and we get the highs and we get the lows of of life and it happens but here's what I want us to remember this morning is is who is pushing the swing of your life and it's God And just like Ellie and just like Pierce and my kiddos can can trust mom and dad who's pushing them. And we can trust God who's pushing the swing. And we can have a joyful sound even through the ups and downs of life. Even through those times that may put our stomach up in our throat, we can trust him. And he won't let us tumble out. As we look into this psalm today in Psalm 89, we're reminded of that. We're reminded as we find the psalmist remembering that God will not fail us uh, based on who he is and his promises um, that we're going to learn about based on a forever covenant uh, that you and I, along with the one writing this this morning, can trust and hold on to a God who will not let us down. And so today I want us to look at Psalm 89. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the back end of it first. First. Um, and then we'll go to the preceding verses and go back to verse 1. But I want us to begin in verse 38. And as we do this morning, just to give some context, because context is important. Context is vital to this psalm this morning. If we're going to understand its full meaning and its ramifications for us even today. But the context of this is a little interesting. It's written by a gentleman by the name of Ethan. Um, It's either written to music that he wrote, so a tune. Maybe he did the instrumental version of this and they wrote words to it later, someone else did. Or it's believed that maybe he is Ethan in the day of Solomon and maybe he penned these words himself. There's different views on that. But one thing that we're sure about and it's evident is that it was written in a time where the throne of David, the kingdom of David, was in great affliction, great turmoil, great problems and trouble. In fact, some think possibly this psalm was written in the time of the captivity of the Israelites under the Babylonians, uh, specifically. And so whatever the case is, it's a bad season. It's a bad season for the Israelites and for the reign of David's throne. And so that is reflected here in this psalm, and specifically in the back end of it. And so look, if you would, with me at verse 38 and 39. These are the transition verses. Uh, From what he's going to say in proceeding, and we'll read that in a bit. But look what he says in verse 38. He says, But. And so, with that word, all right, there's a big transition here. And he says this You, talking to God, have cast off and rejected. You have been full of wrath against your anointed. And he's talking specifically about the throne, the kingdom of David, and the reign of David. You have spurned the covenant, the covenant of David. Of your servant, you have profaned his crown in the dust. Wow. That's a way to begin this morning. Tell us how you really feel, Ethan, right? As he writes these words, he expresses himself to God. The psalmist feels as though God has kind of blown them off, rejected them, forgotten them, put them away. And sometimes you think about it in life, we can feel that way. Sometimes it's, it's hard to reconcile the providences of God, the workings of God through the flow of life with his promises. Yet as we look at the works of God and we look at his word, we can see that God is always faithful and he will never fail and never contradicts his word. And so the people of God in David's house have seemed to lost their interest in God, which was the greatest strength, the greatest beauty of who they were as a people, And the people had struggled in sin. We know, many of us, the story of how it went down with Israel. They struggled in sin, uh, worshipped foreign gods and idols, which leads to their disgrace and captivity that we see with the Babylonians and eventually even the Assyrians. And so the psalmist is tasting, he's seeing the reality of this season. It's a bad season for the throne of David, for the people of God. And he's wondering a few things. And I want us to see this to build up the context here. Look at verse 40 and 41. He says, you have broken down all his walls. You have brought his strongholds to a ruin. Whose strongholds? The, The kingdom of David, right? You have brought them all to a ruin, meaning we're not protected anymore. God, where's your protection? And then look at verse 41. All who pass along the way, they plunder him, the kingdom of David. He has become a reproach to his And so they're sitting as kind of like this easy prey to enemies that can come and to attack them. And then look at verse 42. You've exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. And so even as the Israelites are weakened, the enemies seem to be getting stronger. And then look at verse 43 through 45. You also turned back the edge of his sword and have not made him stand in battle. You have made his splendor to cease and his cast his throne to the ground. You have shortened the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. And so what do we see here? We see a people that can't stand anymore. A people that have lost their courage. It's gone. And sometimes that happens in life, right? We get to that point where we feel like we can't stand anymore. We, we lose courage. We read that last week even with David in Psalm 27. He was tempted to lose courage, right? He didn't, but was tempted. And look at verse 47 and 48. Before that, in verse 46, he says, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? So he pleads for mercy. And then he says, Remember, God, what my span of life is, for what vanity you have, created all the sons of men. What man can live and not see death? Can we deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? And so the psalmist is saying, God, life is short. Death is certain. Why all this misery? I only have a short life. I'd like some good days. And that's the reality the psalmist is expressing. And he says in verse 49, Where are your former loving kindness, O Lord? which you swore to David in your faithfulness. And we'll come back to this in a bit. But he's saying, God, surely you will not forget us. Surely you will not just cast us away. And then look at verse 50 and 52. He says, remember, O Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. And he's saying, God, look at how we've been mistreated. Don't forget us. Look at these people who mock us, who mock the kingdom of David, and who mock God. And ultimately, this is going to point to the mockery of the one king who is in the line of David, Jesus Christ, and how people will mock him when he comes. And so this is a mocking that will will continue, and even continues today, of, of the God that we worship, of Jesus, and they continue to mock him in our day. And so this is the condition. That the psalmist is in, along with the nation of Israel, the kingdom of David. But yet, look what he says in verse 52. He says, blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Let it be true and let it be true. And what what does he want to be true? That, That even in spite of the Lord taking things away, the Lord coming in and correcting, the Lord bringing punishment and judgment upon Israel, that is righteous, that is corrective, The psalmist says, even going through these long and tough and sad and hard, weary days, I will bless the name of my God. I will praise Him. And and so here's the question this morning. When, When the events of life get us off track, when the events of this world take us to certain places, where things turn for the worse, when there's times we don't know what to do, We don't know where to turn. What do we do? How do we respond? I think what the psalmist says is, hey, listen, you've got to trust. You've got to remember who's pushing the swing. And it's God, even in the middle of turmoil. And so here's what the psalmist does this morning. I think he shows us what real life, rubber to the road, kind of trust, faith looks like and expressed In a song, in a prayer, and look what he says. I want you to go back to the beginning, so we get the context. This is where he's at. This is his heart. He's expressing himself. He's letting him God know how he feels. This is his heart. He's pouring himself out to God. But listen to how he began this song. We saw where he ended. Look at where he began, and this is key. He says, I will sing for the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. And so what's amazing about this, we look at his circumstance. And what does he not do? He doesn't complain. He doesn't complain. Real easy to do. Real easy to be prone to go there. It won't get him anywhere, but it's real easy to go there. But instead, he praises God. The Lord, he gives thanks to God for his mercy, for his faithfulness. And so what a great lesson for us when things are tough, when things aren't right, when things aren't the way we want them to go, instead of complaining, God wants us to thank him, to turn those complaints to thanksgiving. And so the psalmist here declares this radical, gracious love that is endless of God. He declares, he says, hey, with my mouth, I'm going to let the young and the old know the truth of God, and he will not violate his truth. He is faithful I'm going to let everyone know that in spite of what we're going through and so this is why the psalmist can find joy that's why he can say blessed be the name of the Lord in the midst of trial is because God is merciful because he is faithful and so listen to how he declares the mercy and the faithfulness of God he says in verse 5 through 8 I want us to drop down a little bit because he focuses on God here on who he is And his characteristics, his attributes. And he says this, he says, The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord? O God, greatly feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all those who are all around you. O Lord, God of hosts, who is like you, O mighty God? What he's saying is, God, there's none like you. Uh, that the heavens even join in, in praising you for your mercy and your faithfulness, for your strength, for your power. There is none like you, oh God. Isn't that amazing to think about this morning? As we're singing in here this morning, it is bigger than this. It is bigger than this. Because as we're singing in here this morning about the mercy and the loving kindness of God, you know the heavens are joining in with us. They never stop. The angels and the saints of old who have gone before us and we are joining in, our lives are, with the praise of heaven. And that's what the psalmist sees here. He says, hey, listen, God, this is so big. And, and I don't want to miss out on, on praising you too. I don't want to miss out on the song of heaven, even though I'm here on earth. I, don't, I, want to, I want to sing the song of heaven. And that's praise to God. And that's what he's doing. And he's simply telling God, this is who you are. And look what he says in verse 8 at the end. He says, God, your faithfulness also surrounds you. You're faithful. Verse 9, he says, you rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. God, you, you rule over even the sea. You tell the waves when to go in and go out and how big to be and how small to be and all that kind of stuff. They listen to you. You're that powerful God. And not only that, look what he says in verse 10. He says, God, you yourself crushed Rahab, meaning Egypt, like one who was slain. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. God, you're strong. You're big time. There's none like you. You're all powerful. Not only that, the heavens are yours, verse 11. The earth also is yours. The world and all it contains. You have founded them, the north and the south. You have created them, Tabor, which is uh, west, Hermon, which is east. They shout for joy at your name. What's he saying? Hey, God, you own it all. This is yours. This is your world. You're sovereign over it all. You govern it all. And guess what? The north, the south, east, and the west, and everything in between praises your name praises it yesterday i was out in east texas with my family for a little bit we were visiting family and i was sitting on the porch for a little bit and just just had a little moment of there's something about um quietness and stillness and i think my wife and i um i think appreciate the the still and the quietness more when you have four kids right uh (laughs) And you guys get that. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm in the still and quiet years because they're out of the house. Um, just kidding. We love them in the house. We, we love the sound. But, but sometimes there's just the, the, the joy found in the still and the quiet. And so I was sitting on the porch yesterday of this house, and you hear nothing. I mean, there's no train noise. There's no car noise. There's, there's nothing except a bird here and a bird there. And you just see these trees. And I just thought, man, Lord, right here, right now, there is praise going on. And there is. And sometimes we miss that. We, we miss that in the flow of life. We miss that in the hurriedness and the hasteliness of, of life. And it's going on. From the north to the south to the east and the west, it is praising the name of God and rejoicing at his name. And so it bids the question, just like Ethan does here. He's like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that. I want to be part of that. I want to join in that praise. Do we want to join in that? Because as he reflects here, look what he says in verse 13. He says, you have a strong arm. Your hand is mighty. Your right hand is exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Basically what he's saying here, God, you, you rule it all. You govern it all. You, you govern the affairs of men. And and even we don't see it, you do so um, by power and justice and mercy and truth. We may not see it real evident and real clear right now, but God, I know you do, because that's the foundation of your throne and and based on who you are. And so I'm going to trust and believe, even though at times it it may not see that way, but I'm going to believe that because I know you're faithful. And that's what God does. That's who he is. He is a faithful God. He is a God of power, justice, mercy, and truth. Now, you might read that. You might say that, but, but you hear these great truths, but how does this impact me? Because we might say, okay, God, you're so far removed. You're so far big. You're, this is who you are, and here's little me in this great big world that tosses me around. And it hurts. It's painful times. I don't like it. It's kind of like Ethan says, this is kind of miserable, Lord. Life's short. Death's going to come. I know that. Can I get a break? We feel that way sometimes. So what's the connection here? How, how does this land for you and I? How does it become a reality? Because that's when I read this and as I look at this psalm and try to see, okay, what what's he writing like? I think at times I think I read this and it seems a little sporadic, the flow of it and stuff like that. So I think when he's writing this as a song, is he a rapper, right? Is this MC Ethan or what's going on here? You know, just just, that's where my thought goes, right? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. That'd be hard to do with a harp. But look at verse two. Look at verse two. Because I think this is the link. And this is where it lands for you and I. This is the connection. This is the bring home. This is the like aha moment of like, ah okay? Look at verse 2. He says, for I have said, so this is Ethan speaking, loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. So it's very interesting here. He's just praised God for his loving kindness and his faithfulness. He's expressed that in these words of praise. But here, he specifically makes this declaration. And he says, God, your mercy will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. And so, What he's saying here is, hey, God, your mercy and faithfulness is established in the eternal council of the heavens, and so they last forever, and so this is something that he's like, hey, listen, this is foundational, and I need to declare this back to myself. I need to say this out loud. I need to make this known, but look what he does next. I find this very interesting. He says this, and then he does this. He brings in the voice of God what he does. And listen to what he does. He brings in the voice of God to make known to you and I what this means for us. How this great truth of heaven, the mercy and the faithfulness of God being eternal, he brings it down for you and I and how it can be of great comfort and great reward for you and I. And look what he says in verse three and four. He says, I've made a covenant with my chosen I've sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your seed forever and will build up your throne to all generations. Now, you might read that and think, hmm, what does that have to do with me? Okay, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you because this is huge. This is huge. This this is huge to what God is doing. This This is how his mercy and his faithfulness trickles down to you and I. This is it. This is how the story of redemption, the great song of heaven, lands on the hearts of everyone in this room. This is it. He brings in God here, in verse 3 and 4, for for our comfort, for our encouragement, for for us to remember the promise of God in what's called the Davidic covenant. As you read verse 3 and 4, I don't know if you knew that as you're reading that, but that's what you're reading. You're reading the remembrance of what's called the Davidic covenant, Covenant. And so what's interesting, what makes this psalm so relevant for you and I today, where we're sitting today, and I hope this makes sense, is David, who God made a covenant with. So when you think of covenant, you can think of like commitment, you can think of a promise. Um, I, want, I would love for you to think of a relational promise, I and mean, that's what a covenant is. We, we don't use covenantal language a lot today, but that's how God relates with, with you and I, based on a Covenant a promise that he has, has made, and it's a relational one, and this one is very significant here. And so what makes it relevant for you and I is, is David, as the psalmist here is remembering these words, David is long gone. He's dead. You might be saying, all right, what, why is that significant? Well, well here's the deal, is Listen to verse 49, go back to verse 49. Remember what Ethan was saying, hey God, this is all going on, this is a miserable state, and he calls God to remember something. Look at verse 49, he says, where are your former loving kindness? Another translation says, God, where is your steadfast love of old? So what's he talking about? He's going back to the covenant that God made with with David. And Ethan's like, I know David's gone. But God, you made a promise. God, where, where is your love? Look at the last part of that verse. It says, which you swore to David in your faithfulness. Another translation at the end of that verse says, which by thy faithfulness thou didst swear to David. And so here's the deal. Hey, listen, we're, he's saying, hey, listen, you made these promises, God. These promises of old. And so he calls to remembrance this promise. So so here's here's where it lands for you and I this morning. Just so you can see, okay, what's the practicality of this? Is what this psalmist is doing is just what you and I can do this morning. What he's practicing, you and I can practice as well. And, and what it what it is is, is if, if you want to come to God, if if you want satisfaction of his forgiveness and, and fellowship, what he what he's saying is, okay, that's because that's what Ethan's doing. Come come. And so what does that mean? It means this. You could say, you and I could say this, just just kind of bear with me for a little bit. You could say this, oh Lord, you promised to David a throne of triumph over all his foes that would endure forever. God, you promised that. God, not only that, you promised to be his shepherd. God, you promised to give him green pastures and still waters, to lead him in righteousness, to protect him in the valley of the shadow of death. You promised, God, to follow him with goodness and mercy all his days. God, you promised all these things to him. Then listen to this. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Listen to this. Follow the trail. He says this. Incline your ear. This is what God says through the prophet. Incline your ear to me. Listen to me that you may live. Okay, these are talking to people who have breath. They're living in that way. But he's saying, listen that you may live, that you may have eternal life, everlasting life. And he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. And as you read that, I want you to know That is to you. That is to me this morning. That's God speaking to you and I and says, listen, you want to live? You want eternal life? You want to live forever? Well, there's an everlasting covenant that I've made with you according to the faithful mercies that I showed to David. I'm showing to you. I'm showing to you, and I don't want you to miss out. And so God promised that if you and I come to him, seek our satisfaction in his presence, who he is, he will make us a partner in that covenant with David. And so here's the question Do you believe that he will do that? Because he says, if you do, come and believe. Come and believe. And then ask of God, God, show me your steadfast love. Show me your sure love that you had for David. And that's what the psalmist does. He remembers and he holds out hope. And we should too. But you might ask and continue to ask, just like the psalmist did here. He says, you know, how has God been faithful to his covenant? That's what he asked in verse 49. And so the question is, does the throne of David endure forever? He's wondering that. Does it not? Because God, you said it did. The answer is given by an angel. not that interesting? Many years later, an angel comes to the Virgin Mary. In Luke 1, verse 31 through 33. And the angel says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so the covenant made with David comes to fulfillment. We know in Jesus Christ, the son of David, who was raised from the dead and now sits on the everlasting throne until all the world is under his forever leadership. And so the awesome promise that God holds out to you this morning and to I this morning is that we, if we will hear his voice and come to him, he will make a covenant, a covenant with you that is just as sure, that is just unshakable and full of never failing hope as the covenant that brought his son to earth and raised him from the dead, seated him forever at the right hand of the majesty on high. That same covenant, He looks at you and I this morning and says, hey, listen, I want that kind of relationship with you. I'm making a promise to be merciful and faithful based on what my son has done. And you can take it to the bank. Trust me. Now the question is, okay, how does the psalmist see this covenant and see how it trickles down to you and I and lands from from what he said to David of old to even now through Jesus. Well, look at this real quick, and I'm gonna just take a little moment here, but I want you to look at verse 19 because he recalls the promises made to David, and he recalls the covenant, but look at how he recalls it. Look at verse 19. He says, once you spoke in vision, so this is Ethan stock talking to God. He says, to your godly ones and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from God. The people. And so what he's doing is he's recalling how God spoke the covenant to David. You Remember, God took the shepherd boy, the unlikely one who would be king, and raised him up to be king, and he makes a promise to him through the prophet Nathan. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 17, and, and listen to the words of this promise. And this is the Davidic covenant. He says in verse 12 of 2 Samuel, Samuel 7, he says, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, so this is Nathan to David, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men, but my loving kindness shall not depart from him. As I look, or I took it away from Saul, whom whom I removed from before you, your house, your kingdom, shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. These are words to David. And what he's going to say, the psalmist is about David and, and the kingdom is most applicable uh, or, or is applicable to David, but not completely. Not completely. But yet, is most certainly affable to Jesus. And as you read this psalm, and as you read other psalms, you read other Old Testament verses, I would encourage you, look at how they connect to Jesus. Because they do. Because it all points to him. And so look what he says. Just give you a few notes here of what he says. Look at verse 20 and 21. He says, I have found David my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him with whom my hand will be established. And so what's interesting about this is David was God's choosing for a king and um, is on his throne. Um, and it is on his throne that God's hand will ultimately be established according to verse 20 and 21. And his arm strengthened. But how? Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. And then look at verse 22. He says, the enemy will not deceive him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And so when you think about, yes, God provided protection for David. But what is he talking about here too uh, with Jesus? You think about Jesus, he had enemies, right? We even look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the, the prophecy of what would come. It's called the uh, Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel. Listen to what it says. It says, he shall bruise you on the head. Talking about Satan who would come and, uh, uh, excuse me, talking about Jesus who would come and bruise the enemy on the head. And then he says at the end of that, and you shall bruise him on the hill. And so as we see this language of, of God communicating the curse and what would happen, he speaks of the hope in it, at the gospel, and, and that Jesus will come and crush the head of the enemy, even though the strike of the hill, which is the cross, will fall upon Jesus. And yet the psalmist speaks of this as well. And then look at verse 23. It says here, But I shall crush his adversaries before him and strike those who hate him. David's enemies will fall. Ultimately, Jesus' enemies will fall. Jesus even says that in Luke 19 how his enemies will be slayed forever. And the second judgment. And so as we read this, and we, we hear this language, it's talking about this covenant, but it's pointing ultimately to Jesus Christ. And as you read this this morning, here's the sound I want you to hear, because I want to go back to this image at the beginning of the message today, is remember who's pushing the swing. Who's pushing the swing? And you remember, at times, life will cause our stomach to go up to our throat. We have those times in life. They'll have the ups and the downs. But there's always that joyful sound. There's always that joyful sound of a child on the swing. And look what he says in verse 15. We're going to close on this because I want you to hear this. In verse 15, he says, How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. What? What are you talking about? What joyful sound? What Ethan would say is, everything I've just talked about, that's the joyful sound. The joyful sound is the sound of heaven. The joyful sound is that mercy and the faithfulness of God are yours. Ethan, how? Well, it's based on a promise. A promise made to David that was fulfilled in Jesus. And so this joyful sound is the sound of the gospel. It's the sound of victory. It's the sound of deliverance. It's the joyful sound when it doesn't make sense, when life around you doesn't seem joyful, but yet you know the promises. You hold on to the mercy and the faithfulness of God. And even in the midst of trial, as James will tell us, it's a joyful sound. It's the sound of the gospel. And so what has trickled down from, to us centuries and centuries, ages it seems, ago, from the covenant of David to you and I is a sound that redeems us, that saves us, that gives us everlasting life. In fact, he says, look at verse 15, O Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. Those who know you, God. And so, what he's talking about here is God. Those who know you, oh, how blessed they are. How blessed they are. They walk in your countenance. In your name they rejoice all the day and by your righteousness they are exalted for you are the glory of their strength and by your favor our horn is exalted. Basically what he's saying here is our our life is what it is. Our meaning, our purpose, our beauty, everything we are is because of who you are, God. And then he says in verse 18, for our shield belongs to the Lord and our king to the Holy One. Israel we have a defender we have a fighter for us when others seem against us when other things seem like they're just thrown at us we have one who is for us and so the psalmist says oh what a joyful sound what a joyful sound so this morning if you're looking for something solid in life something that doesn't change, something that doesn't let you down, something that will truly make you happy and joyful and satisfying down in the depths of your soul. God offers you and I this unswerving, endless love and this unbreakable commitment that we have read about this morning, the commitment that he had toward his son he has toward you and I that's a joyful sound he's pushing the swing you can trust him remember that today if you're here and you don't know Christ as your savior um, God doesn't promise an easy road God doesn't promise a life on a cruise ship with the feet up he never promises that anywhere But what he does promise is to be faithful. What he does promise is to be merciful and loving. And he has showed us that in Jesus. The Bible tells us if we will believe, if we will come and trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can know that mercy, we can know that faithfulness firsthand that can take us through the topsy-turvy ups and downs of life. But we've got to trust the one pushing the swing. And so today, trust in Christ. Come and know the joyful sound of knowing him. There is nothing better. And so if you're here today, trust him. Let's pray together.